Hello, everyone, and welcome to Job Board Geek, the podcast about the business of connecting candidates and employers. My name is Jeff Dickey Chasens. I'm the Job Board Doctor. I'm your host. And with me, I have the discerning Stephen Rothberg of College Recruiter. He's the co-host. Hey, Stephen, how's it going? Well, I've got good news and I've got bad news um, this week, Jeff. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? Uh, let's hear the good news. Okay. Good news is that uh, a little over a week ago, um, we added a new uh, chief operating officer to our team, Brad Boggs, who ran the job board business for diversity jobs. And then he was running the job board business over at Circa. And yesterday, we were able to announce that Matt Simpson, formerly of JobGate, is joining us as our uh, head of sales and partnerships. That's great. Do you want the bad news now? I think it's more interesting, actually. (laughs) Okay. What's the bad news? Bad news is... Here in Minnesota today, it's overcast, cold, and raining. So I kind of feel like I'm getting ready for my July trip to the UK. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of the same thing in Iowa. Although I will say, when I look at the weather radar, I'm very glad because if I drove an hour west, I'd be in snow. You know, be thankful for small things. So anyway, today we have a wonderful guest, fellow I've known for quite a while, Noel Andrews of JobRack.eu. He has a very very interesting business model that sort of works in a lot, a couple of different ways. It's definitely not your traditional job board. And we'll be talking with him in a few minutes. But first, Stephen, I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about something that happened last week, which I thought was kind of interesting. Talent.com, which is the Canadian aggregator, it's been out for a number of years. I think it originally started its life as Nuvu and intelligently changed its name since no one knew what Nuvu <laughs> actually meant. Just raised a hundred and $50 million in revenue. And of course, they're saying, yeah, we're going to do the usual stuff. We're going to expand into new markets and get uh, new salespeople and prove our technology and whatnot. But there's also been a lot of chatter, some of it coming from them, I think, that they're gearing up for an IPO. Mm-hmm. I thought this was interesting for two reasons. The last reasonable size IPO that I remember in the job board industry was Zip Recruiter. Yeah. And uh, it went pretty well. Yep. But now in the UK, Adzuna is also busy uh, gearing up for an IPO. And as you probably know, Adzuna is an aggregator that has many fingers in different countries, including the US, competes mm-hmm. with talent.com. So I think it's interesting that you've got these two aggregators barreling towards IPOs probably sometime this year. Talent.com claims to be the second largest aggregator in the in the world after Jubal at this point in terms of traffic and kind of feels to me like a race. It kind of feels like, you know, mm. which one of the aggregators is going to get to the market first? Because it would seem that the first one to hit the market would get the most attention. Mm. I, I don't really know, but what, what's your take on this? Yeah, I, I agree. I hadn't thought about it in the context of it of it being a race. Sometimes it's better to finish second. You know, you can let the other guy go first. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking like World War One. you get out of the trench and you're running towards the other trench. I would rather finish that race second than be the guy out in front. <laughs> and I'm saying that partly deliberately because if there are going to be some missteps, if they're going to take, you know, some fire, if the market doesn't like it, if I was talent.com, I'd rather have that hit at Zuna. If I was at Zuna, I'd rather have that hit talent.com. Uh, I don't see this as an either or though. It seems agree. to me, I mean, I know I know a fair number of people at, at both of these companies. We do business with both of these companies. They're solid. I mean, I'm not giving investment advice, but I wouldn't mind having some pre-IPO stock in either one of those companies. Hint, hint, 
Hint, hint. <laughs> well, maybe maybe we can get Doug on the mar- on the podcast at some point, and you guys can chat about that. But yeah, I, I I tend to agree with you. I think it's interesting because I remember there's been a couple of companies in our industry that kept threatening to IPO, and I'm thinking specifically mm. of Glassdoor and Snagajob, and they kept saying, "Oh, we're going to IPO, we're going to IPO," and then um, with Snagajob, it's never happened. With Glassdoor, Recruit picked them up. So yeah, and and if and if if they're going to IPO or really continue to move towards that, they're in play. And absolutely, if somebody comes along and makes them a, an offer that's similar to what they would get through the IPO, you got to think a board of directors are going to instruct the C-suite, bird in the hand, take take that good offer. Um, we have no risk of what might happen the, the morning of an IPO. You know, some, well, I know we'll probably talk about some about it today, but some war that can really change things. Um, the war is a heck of a lot more important than any IPO. You know, if they can get a good offer and sell it to a recruit like Glassdoor did, they're going to do that. Yeah. Well, I hear there's this uh, company out of Minnesota called College Recruiter that's going through a lot of growth. So perhaps, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe they're looking for some acquisition targets. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, on, on to something much more interesting and to the point. Today we have with us Noel Andrews of JobRack.eu. Welcome to Job Board Geek, Noel. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Steve. And I'd just like to say I'm dialing in today from a sunny, blue sky, London, England. It's the second day of spring and it's the second day of blue sky and sunshine, Jen. So uh, that's Whoa. weird. That is truly <laughs> weird. It's a myth. Everyone thinks it's gray and rainy all the time, but honestly, the winter's been good. You know, we're going to have an amazing summer. And um, so for your cloudy days, you know, you should come over here right now, Steve, and just get some sunshine. I, I'll, I'll, I'm on the next plane. <laughs> anyway, um, Noel, I just wanted to start out by asking you a little bit about, you know, how did you actually get into the recruitment sector initially? And tell us a little bit about JobRack and who, who does it serve and why is it different? Sure thing, no worries. So uh, JobRack, kind of who does it serve? So we serve online business owners uh, all across the world. So everything from kind of e-commerce businesses to agencies to coaches to all kinds of different businesses and that are looking for remote talent. Um, and crucial we help people hire from Eastern Europe. That's our that's our kind of very very kind of clear niche. Around about twenty two countries, uh, with a big focus in around six or seven around the Balkans. So places like kind of Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, Serbia, Macedonia, Croatia, places like that. So where you basically get kind of like really really kind of high quality, uh, really great education, great English, um, really great value because their cost of living is is kind of dramatically lower than in the Western world. And crucially, like a real cultural alignment with you know people in the US, the UK, Canada, Australia, etc. With the Western world. So not some of those kind of cultural challenges that can often happen hiring uh, kind of elsewhere. So uh, that's our kind of niche. That's what we do. And how did I get into it? Well, kind of a very kind of quick version of it is I'd spent 15 years in the corporate world in kind of technology leadership and up to IT director type roles and always kind of building, leading and kind of um, kind of just driving kind of very large teams. And I had uh, one day I'd spent a, a kind of a day doing back-to-back interviews and they were all lovely people, but terrible at interviewing. Mm. Absolutely terrible. And I came home thinking, oh, there's got to be a better way what, what's going on here and then just kind of had this flash of light and flash of inspiration hang on no one's ever taught how to interview and so maybe there's a business idea so i then kind of like took some time out spent a year building a, an interview coaching business which had some success but just couldn't quite scale it and i was coming to the end of that i was i'm in some entrepreneurial communities and i was having kind of conversations with lots of people that were struggling to hire because you know as you guys know hiring is hard uh, especially finding the right people and just through one of those conversations job rack was actually being put up for sale it had been built up over a couple of years but always as a side 
side hustle, it was either going to be shut down or sold. It had been kind of mothballed for about nine months. So just to like $1 per job post, just to stop any kind of scammers. So it was doing... Um, it was doing $15 a month in revenue, right? To give you an idea of just how small it was, right? Um, and so it was not a particularly expensive purchase. Well, crazy. That. But on the, so I'm not sure whether it's a good thing or not, but the, you know, the conventional metric that people use to value a business is like, well, it's like a multiplier of profit, um, which I think means that I paid infinity, um, which isn't yeah. such a good stat. But then I have, I think that there's some amazing stats around, I don't know, three, what is it, 300 or 1,000 xing the monthly revenue and stuff like that, which is which is a lot more exciting. So yeah, I jumped in um, and that was nearly three, three and a half years ago now. Uh, so there's a lot changed. It's no longer a side hustle. Uh, and it's now a kind of a proper business. We've got a team of 12 growing to about 16 over the next month or so. And um, yeah, we're kind of helping customers all over the world hire really great people from, from Eastern Europe. Awesome. So it's sort of to from from infinity to, to from infinity to beyond or whatever Buzz Lightyear said. Indeed. Yeah, um, definitely. I'm wondering from a sort of a business model perspective, typical job board does no vetting of candidates, right? They're not looking to see if those degrees or work experience that you have are real. They're not assessing your skills um, in any kind of what mandatory way and, and often just not at all. Talk with us about if say I was an employer and wanted to hire a social media strategist through you. How do I know if that person is good or not? Do we do, do we just rely on their word? Are you doing assessments? How does that work? Yeah, sure. So it, it varies based on the service. So we've got kind of two primary services. We've got a very conventional job board service. Um, you know, we refer to it as DIY, so do it yourself. And, and with that, it, it's very similar to a lot of other job boards. We do put some effort though in. So, you know, one of the things that's really important to us is that all of our candidates are from Eastern Europe. So for around 80% of our candidates and, and our kind of database, we are vetting them through a, you know, we're checking their ID, so passports or driver's licenses, things like that. So about 80% of them we've absolutely confirmed. We make it kind of reasonably difficult for people that aren't from Eastern Europe to sign up and we kind of do spot checks on the kind of the 20%. So that's the first thing we do. Then we give a lot of guidance to our clients, our employers on how to hire right? Because ultimately, it's always got to be down to the employer, they've got to make sure they do their due diligence. Um, and so some of that is we're guiding them through, you know, hey, use an application form, right? Don't rely on CVs, because CVs are, you know, at best, uh, mildly useful, at worst, they're a complete waste of time. Um, and so, you know, we're guiding our employers through things like that. We have things like, you know, skills, databases, and profiles of our candidates. Um, and we encourage them to do those, honestly, but a big part of it is just how we encourage and guide our clients in how to hire. So that's on like the DIY side, then we've got the done with you service, which is much more focused around, you know, us doing all of the hard work. And crucially, a lot of the time that is where people are looking to hire roles where the candidates just are not hanging out on job boards, right? If you're a software developer right now, pretty much anywhere in the world, you do not need to be on a job board, right? There's, you know, the best guys, that's not where they're at. Um, and so we have, you know, there's ways in which we can help the clients. And we take a much more active approach doing screening interviews, screening calls, vetting, referencing, all of the kind of almost conventional recruiter side of things, but in a very not conventional recruitment style side of things and certainly not with the conventional recruiter fees either. So I'm, I'm curious then, if I remember correctly, there's a, there's, there were three tiers of service that you offer, right? And uh, so what's the top tier? What, what, are, what are you doing when you, when, when someone uses that? Yeah. So the top tier is our like full done for you service. And that's kind of almost conventional recruiter where we're interviewing as well. Now, the problem with that approach is that, you know, the employer still normally needs to interview as well, because, you know, we can interview people, we can get to the very, very tight short list. But ultimately, the candidate, if you want to be a long-term team member and be part of a team, you want to spend time with the employer. So the employer needs to interview anyway. So what we found 
that we could do is actually streamline that service. And that is what became the done with you service in the middle. So we were able to reduce the effort and the cost, but not really reduce the effort from the employer's side of things. Um, and then it makes it much more appealable. And it means that candidates aren't having to go through two intensive interview rounds. We can kind of do what we need to do to shortlist and verify things like that from a, from a much more efficient kind of screening process. And there's things that we do, you know, we use video capture from the candidates, but we also use video from the clients as well. So for instance, on our job posts, we always include a video to introduce the job post, you know, kind of, hey, I'm Noel from JobRack and I'm looking to hire a customer success manager. This is what it's going to be like. So it kind of gets the little bit of rapport between the candidate and the, the employer straight away. And we do that again when we're introducing the test tasks, for instance. So again, so they've had some contact with the employer. The full done for you service, you know, we can do those interviews, but really it only works. And the only time we do it now is when we're really, we know the employer really well and we kind of act on their behalf. So if someone comes to me and says, hey, no, you know, we've worked with them for a few years and they say, hey, you know, I need five customer support agents. And we've done that role for them numerous times. We can pretty much act as them. And that's much more straightforward. But we don't do a lot of that. Um, I think the key thing is... Um, most team members want to feel like you know they're coming in to be part of the team, so they need contact with the with the employer. What you're describing to me is not totally unusual. You know, I have worked with a number of job boards that have had what they call as source and screen services. Um, I think you guys go a little bit further than that. But one of the challenges when I've worked with those clients that they've talked about is that they have two things. First of all, there's the pricing issue. You know, how do you set price where clients are going to want it and use it, but also where it's feasible for you to do this sort of high touch work. And I'm curious, first of all, what is the pricing for the done with you service on a per candidate basis? And then second, how do you sort of manage the time that you put into that so it works out for you financially? Yeah. So, so we have three tiers just based on the complexity of the role. So it varies from 1500 US for say virtual assistance, customer support, social media assistance. We've got like a mid tier for operations managers, project managers, technical specialists like PPC, things like that, which is 2000 US. And then we have our top tier for developers, which is two and a half thousand US, uh, which I'm repeatedly getting told by my clients is too cheap, uh, certainly on the <laughs> developer side of things, because finding developer talent is really, really hard. Um, however, we there's some things that we're doing um, that it is still profitable for us. And so that works really well. And I would much rather start out, you know, making it like almost a no brainer for our clients. And then, you know, obviously, we have to be profitable and we are. And then over time, we'll kind of just take a look at that and say, where should that be? But it's I like being in that place. I like it being a no brainer. We can find the kind of right candidates in terms of making sure it's profitable. Well, there's a couple of things we do is one, my team is in Eastern Europe, obviously. Um, so therefore, they have a lower cost of living that comes with certain benefits around kind of the value, but we pay well. And that's that's really important to me that I want to pay well and then expect mm -hmm. a huge amount from them, right? And that's my team are all really clear on that. And, you know, we have a, a great team. And to the extent that we have a lot of candidates coming to us proactively now saying that they want to work with us, what jobs do we have available? Because they are hearing what it's like to work at JobRack, which is a, a beautiful place to be. Um, so yeah, so carefully, I think is the answer to your question there, Jeffrey. Really. You know, we are monitoring, you know, how much time and energy and, and cost are we spending on the sourcing stage? How much time and energy and money are we spending on the management stage? So it's, you know, the first bit is find great candidates. The next bit is manage them through the process and managing the clients, right? And setting clear expectations with the clients. So, you know, it is profitable, but it's it's hard work. You know, the day that I decided to move from a, you know, a focus on a basically a money while you sleep job board, which is a beautiful business model, right? Which is why they're so popular, to 
a basically in high touch agency service. Uh, lots of people thought I was absolutely crazy. You know, in terms of growth, there's a lot of benefits with it. You can afford to invest a lot more in kind of growth and marketing when you're charging fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollars than you can when you're charging one hundred ninety nine dollars for a job post. And I think you touched on the sort of the key operational issue for what you're doing versus uh, someone that's in the UK using UK employees or someone in the US using US employees, which is your operational costs is based in a lower cost area. And so you know, you can do those kinds of things. But actually, speaking of the geographic area that you're focused in, I, one of the questions I have for you is how is the war affecting your candidates and your employees, if it is? So right now, so the Ukraine or Ukraine has never been a big focus for us for candidates because the cost of living has increased significantly over recent years because of all the tech companies that have piled in there. So, you know, developer rates in Ukraine have kind of been, you know, almost on a par with London rates, right, which is insane because they're like kind of their their cost of living is nowhere near London cost of living. So as a result of that, you know, we haven't, it's not a kind of one of our primary kind of top six or seven countries um, in that sense. That being said, it is for my team particularly, you know, a good number of them are old enough to have, you know, remembered what it was like to be going down in the cellar and in the basement when the, you know, the war in Bosnia, et cetera, right? So they, they remember that. So it's all a little bit kind of close to home. Um, obviously, being an Eastern European focused business, we are very, very actively looking at how can we help the situation? How can we help displaced Ukrainians kind of get work? How can we right. help... Um, you know, digitally skilled kind of displaced Ukrainians get work? How can we help and encourage employers to hire displaced Ukrainians within the same sense that within the cautious nature that says that, well, hang on a minute, you know, a business owner still has to hire people that can work for them and be productive, etc. And someone who's going through a, you know, absolutely horrendous situation, that's a tricky balance. So we're, we're looking at that, you know, we're supporting a number of charities that are in the, in on the cold face, as it were, kind of helping people out. And we're looking and saying, how do we help? We have got a massive reach across Eastern Europe and across the world of, of clients and employees. It's just one we're trying to do cautiously to make sure that we, you know, do it the right way. Just just a tip, um, no, not, not just for you, but also for for your clients. But this morning, about an, an hour or two ago, I got a um, an email from um, Dr. John, John Sullivan, who writes a lot for publications like ERE. His e-newsletter today was all about hiring from Ukraine. And I think there were something like eight or 10 things that employers should pay attention to. One of them was language that 20% of those of Ukrainians um, are, I don't know what the English language skills, if he'd sort of defined it, whether it was conversational or better yet bilingual or better yet fluent. Um, but certainly a, like you were saying for a lot of the candidates that are using your service, is culturally more Western than say Southeast Asia. Healthcare and, and education and all of that is is much more like what you'd find in 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 much of Europe than than in other areas of the world. So have a I, I would suggest that you have a look at that. And for those who are listening as well, um, one of the really great things about about John Sullivan is that when he publishes information, it's it's kind of on a please share basis. Well, listen, it's uh, we're about ready to run out of time, Noel. But I did want to ask you uh, one final question, which is, what's your take in terms of of where you think the, and I, I use the term loosely, everyone that I know would agree that I, I call a lot of things job boards that other people wouldn't call job boards. I call what you do a job board just because it's such a loose, loosey-goosey term. But where do you think the job board industry is going in terms of models? You know, or Do you think that it's heading more towards niche, high-touch models like yours, or is it going more sort of the Indeed 
one size fits all or do you think all of the above i think i think there's a huge range of opportunity i think we're going to continue to see lots and lots of different options we see niche job boards popping up every single day uh, it has never been easier to launch a job board right you can do it in about 45 minutes right you know whether it's job board fire or one of the many other tools that you can use you can even hand crank one in you know webflow and kind of some of the no code solutions within you know an afternoon of effort and have something that looks polished and looks professional you can tie it in with the aggregators etc if you choose so i think there's a lot of opportunity for very niche job board um and that is great however what we see from a candidate perspective is that you know a candidate that's good for one job might also be very very good at lots of other jobs as well so the candidates aren't quite so niched i think there's i think there's still tons and tons of opportunity i think platforms like linkedin that make it too easy to apply for jobs you know it's a one-click application you just tend to get really really poor quality applications that then causes you tons of work um so i think there's a lot of opportunity for hiring services which is kind of how i describe our you know what we do there's a lot of employers that recognize either they don't know how to hire or that they don't want to know how to hire or that it's really hard and they want help to do it and even those where they've got internal hr teams you know the act of sourcing we're sourcing right now from like 32 different sources including you know we're going we source from github for developers for instance we do we've got activity going on on tiktok for sourcing we've got all kinds of different weird and wonderful places private communities that we're in that you know your average employer and kind of hire should not be doing right the better things that they can do with their time and so i think i think kind of the job board and the hiring services market i think there's tons and tons of opportunity i think there is some um, yeah still tons of kind of opportunity in it same challenges that have always been there are still there getting the jobs getting the candidates and above all doing a good job i think there's for me right now there's maybe a few too many people starting up job boards thinking it's a route to easy cash right and it's not okay you know not to do a good job of it right if you just want to knock up a job board and you know kind of potentially make some cash etc then great but if you want to feel really good at the end of the day about providing a really great service and have you know we're at 85 percent of our customers are either repeat customers or referrals that's the kind of business that i like running right when i have conversations mm. with people they're excited to work with us and excited to refer us so that's the kind of business i want so it, it's not an easy business but it is a you know there's lots of fun that can be had with it too if you have any uh people that you're talking to that think that running a job board is easy send them to me i'll set them straight <laughs> I, i've had many sad store sad conversations with people that are like i want to start a job board and then i start talking about what they have to do and they're like oh i thought it was i thought i could just set it up and go to sleep so Anyway, well, listen, Noel, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And if anyone that's listening wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, best way is just head on over to jobrack.eu. Uh, all our details are there and um, you can always book in a call and we can jump on a call to have a quick chat too. Great. Well, thanks so much. And Stephen, how would people get in touch with you if they so wanted to do that? I'm not really sure why anybody would, but uh, it would be at Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, at collegerecruiter.com. No, thank you so much. No worries, Steve. No worries, Jeff. No worries, Jeff. Great to chat. Great. Thanks. Thank you. And that's it for today's episode of Job Board Geek. Now, be sure to subscribe to this podcast via Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you want. And as I always encourage people, give us a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You can give me a thumbs up. You can give Stephen a thumbs down, and then you'll have a balanced review. <laughs> My name is Jeff Dickey Chasens. I'm the job board doctor, and you've been listening to the only podcast that focuses on the business of connecting candidates and employers. That's all that we have for today. See you again next time. <laughs>